Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. All right, welcome back to Saturday mornings here on Money FM, our international news review with Steve Oaken. Steve, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Let's get right into it because we had a lot to talk about today. Sadly, this uh, mass shooting at a Texas school uh, claimed the lives of 19 children, fourth grade children, and two teachers. Uh, the, the news about the actual tragedy is all over the place, but I'd like to take you into the political sphere of what this means for lawmakers who uh, left and right, especially the left, is accusing the right of not uh, taking action on certain gun bills and things like that. Where, where are we in the political debate on gun safety and gun tragedies in the U.S.? Look, it's not that the right isn't taking any action on some bills. They're, they're taking zero action on absolutely anything. Um, they are looking at basically saying that we don't think there should be any accountability for the fact that guns are now the top cause of death of children in the United States. They surpass cars. Top cause of death. So you hear Ted Cruz. What did he say was the problem? Ted Cruz is a senator with, from Texas, yeah. Senator from Texas. He said the problem is doors. There are too many doors in schools and that the shooters can go in through a back door. And so we've got to eliminate doors. I mean, but maybe, Glenn, maybe, maybe, maybe this time that the, the, the violence in Texas coupled on the, the, the murder of, of 10 black people in Buffalo by a, a white supremacist uh, will get at least the Democrats and Republicans saying we'll take anything. We won't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. If we can even just get a red flag law, which means if somebody is seen as being mentally unstable, they can't own a gun. Mm. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get a little bit of something, but I'm pessimistic. Well, I'm glad you added the part about pessimistic, Steve, because I'm sure our listeners will say, we've been here so many times before, Columbine, Sandy Hook. There are so many shootings, it literally becomes difficult to keep up with them. I'm just looking at some of these statistics. The National Rifle Association, the NRA, one of America's most powerful lobbying groups, nearly five million last year were spent on expanding gun rights and limiting restrictions, not only maintaining restrictions, but actually investing lobbying to restrict uh, restrictions. And as we speak over the weekend, the NRA will welcome 55,000 members to their annual meeting in Houston, not too far away from where the tragedy happened. Very close, actually. Where the key guys, Republican politicians, Ted Cruz, you mentioned, there's the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, and the former U.S. president, Donald Trump, are expected to show up. How do you reconcile this? Uh, Those statistics with the fact that 54% of all Americans want stricter gun controls. What's going on? Well, and, and, you know, again, you're doing the irony when Donald Trump addresses the or has addressed, I'm not sure when it takes place, the the NRA. Guns are banned during Trump's speech. You cannot bring a gun in to see Donald Trump. (laughs) So, yeah, it's okay. We'll we'll ban guns when when Donald Trump is there, but we won't ban guns in schools. We won't ban guns from people who are have mental illnesses. We will just have we won't ban guns from 18 year olds, even though you can't drink till you're 21, but you can own a gun when you're when you're 18. Now, maybe there's a little bit of a change coming because, Neil, the, the governor of Texas, all of said, well, I've got a scheduling conflict. I've, I've got to go be, uh, you know, at, at the school where the tragedy took place. The lieutenant governor dropped out. Donald Trump, of course, did not. But yeah. even, you know, the, the, the music 
was supposed to be, you know, they had these people providing music. And Don McLean, I'm sure, Neil, you know, most of the listeners don't because his last hit was more than 50 years Everybody ago. Everybody knows with, American with, Pie. American Everyone Pie. American knows Pie. American Pie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, dropped, he pulled out. And this is a guy who hasn't had a hit in half a century. But he <laughs> pulled out. of, of, of the, yeah. So maybe we'll get a little bit of a change. Florida, after the, the tragedy there. Um, you know, at Parkland, uh, the governor, who's now a Republican senator, he raised the age from 18 to 21 in Florida. And so no law is going to fix this problem in the United States, See, not when you have more guns than people. But yeah. maybe we'll get a little something out of the Congress. And, and this is one of the arguments on the other side, which is uh, one of the bills that's been languishing in, in the U.S. Congress is this bill about background checks. Yeah. And so the argument in this particular case, this particular tragic shooting in Uvalde, Texas, you know, the kid went through all the proper steps to get his gun. He's 18 years old. He's legally bought. He, you know, he did the background check. He had the waiting period. So he did everything that was right. And the gun advocates are saying, hey, look, you know, a new background check bill would not have made one bit of difference in this particular shooting uh, because the kid did everything legally. Uh, They're not wrong. So how do we how do we justify or how do we rationalize some of the bills that we're looking at and or are these just straw man arguments based on you know on one incident? Well, no, that's the problem. Like, you can take one law and say, well, this law wouldn't have changed this shooting, therefore we shouldn't change the law at all. Well, the law you change might prevent the next shooting, yeah. right? So this kid was eighteen. If the law had been twenty-one, right. you wouldn't have he wouldn't have been able to buy a gun in this case. But you don't you know so you have to look at what is the total picture? You can't just pick. And this is what this is exactly, Glenn, what the, the, the gun lobbyists do. The absolutists on the Second Amendment who say that there can be no limits whatsoever on the right to bear arms. Yeah. Um, that, oh, well, this one went to solve this. Therefore, we shouldn't do anything. If, if you applied the laws that way, you would never get any law passed whatsoever. And so those arguments have got to get got to get it, it, it stopped. And you can't rely on those. I mean, Lorraine Bobert, Lauren Bobert, a congresswoman from, from Colorado, uh, she said, well, after 9-11, we didn't ban airplanes. So right. why would we ban guns <laughs> yeah, after a school shooting? Right. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. But, Steve, can I just ask you a more philosophical and arguably blunter question? I, I do wonder about America's moral authority on this because shortly we're going to talk about the US and China and the US because of its economic and military position will often say right China can't go into Taiwan and and this country needs to do that and Myanmar needs to do this and and China needs to do that as a as a a global superpower and yet you, you almost have people saying hang on a minute can you really pontificate to the rest of the world when you can't even keep children safe in elementary school I mean, surely at some point, you know, America's moral authority almost gets questioned. What do you think on that? You know, you're 100 percent right. And it does undermine the, the moral authority of the United States. The, the people in, in Washington don't don't think that way. I mean, I, I just did an interview on, on Voice of America for Biden's trip and the, the reporter, the White House correspondent for VOA and I were emailing back and forth. And I said, oh, yeah, you know what I'm going to do this weekend? I'm going to talk guns. On Saturday, I'm going to talk guns because I'm going to be on Monday morning, um, you know, with Elliot. And I'm going to talk about guns because this is what we we have to try and explain it where we can't. There's no explanation for why we can't do anything about it. And she says, yeah, I'm doing the same thing. It's uh, uh, she's I hate it. But you have to come on and 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 just say, yeah, we're terrible. And and we we don't seem to be able to do anything about it at all. Again, I, I'm going to I'm, I'm not even going to be glass half full. I'm going to be that there's a sip of water in the glass 
that you can get 10 Republican senators to come in with the 50 Democrats you need in the Senate to say, we're just going to get even the tiniest thing done. And that would be a red flag flag law, raising the age to 21, a background check, not Glenn immediately, but a seven day waiting period. I mean, there are things that can get done. And the Senator from Connecticut who, who where Newton, when we the, the last major school shooting took place, uh, or the second to last major school shooting, we can keep track. He said, I'll take anything. I'm not, I'll take anything at all that you give me. Give me one thing and let's pass it. Well, the, fi- the final comment I'll uh, make on that, I've go. been to the site in Tasmania where Australia had its you know, its last big major shooting. You know what I'm going to say, Steve. They immediately brought in gun laws. Hasn't been a major shooting since. They did the same thing in the UK. Hasn't been a major shooting since. America stands alone on this, Glenn. Yeah, I mean, yeah. All right, Steve, we've got to move forward. China-U.S. relations. China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi is on a tour of Pacific Island nations. Uh, this comes, uh, you know, they're trying to get a 10-country deal with those nations on security and trade. Uh, this comes as the White House has just announced that Fiji is the first Pacific Island country to join the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, also called IPEF. Uh, a lot of talk about that. Now, Anthony Blinken uh, had a speech on Thursday. Thursday, the U.S. Secretary of State, saying that they are seeking to refocus attention uh, and, and not necess- and compete with China, but not have as adversarial a relationship, if I'm reading uh, the, the implications of this speech correctly. Um, what do we know about this? What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, it's, look, this is basically, it's, it's, it's a, a, a little bit of a realignment of the strategy that the U.S. has towards China. Um, and so the, the phrasing he uses is that it's now going to be invest, align, and compete. And that's what we're going to do in the region. We're going to invest more in the region. We're going to invest when it comes to COVID and preventing the next pandemic. We're going to invest in infrastructure that this region needs. We're going to invest in, in other types of, of development assistance. And then we're going to align, and we're going to align militarily, like with the Quad, you know, U.S., Japan, Australia, India, and, and AUKUS. Uh, and then, but we're also going to compete, but we're not going to compete where we're going to try and contain China. We're going to compete by saying, look, Singapore, look, Fiji, look, Indonesia, look, Malaysia. You can choose between the U.S. or China, and we're going to make you want to choose to align with the U.S. because our multilateral structure that's rules-based is better for you than what China is offering. Yes, but we're back on that tightrope, aren't we? Because it also says, you know, the U.S. diplomat says he does not seek to stymie or hold or check China's growth as a world power or change it, its political system. But I can always see the Chinese saying, yes, you do. You comment about Taiwan and the South China Sea all the time. So where are we on that? Well, and that, and that is the, the, the balancing act, because on the one hand, what the U.S. has made very clear that there is a genocide going on in, in Xinjiang, and you've got a million Uyghurs that have been basically imprisoned or in concentration camp or forced into, into labor. And now you've got these horrific pictures that have come out uh, as, as further uh, evidence of that. But at the same time, you say, oh, but by the way, China, we need to work with you on climate change mm-hmm. because the climate crisis is real. And unless you have the world's top two emitters working together, U.S. and China, you can't solve this crisis. Now, the question is, will, mm. will China accept that, that type of bifurcation? And as you've got Fiji joining IPEP, as Glenn said, now China's pulling, you know, working harder on that 
second island chain, you know, the Solomons where they have the agreement with, and now they're right. looking at other countries as well. So this competition is going to be very heated, uh, regardless of whether Antony Blinken uh, says that in his speech or not. Well, and uh, those Pacific Island nations, if they're smart, they're going to get some top-class negotiators on their side, because <laughs> right now the checkbooks are open, and they can get whatever they want from the U.S. or from China. So if they're smart, yeah. they'll, they'll play well, it to their advantage, I'm sure. Except, Glenna, you look what happens in Sri Lanka, right? Sri Lanka is having you know a, a, a total debt crisis right now. Mm. And you know what? In China saying, hey, you owe us the money. We're not renegotiating. Where, where if they had worked with, with you know, the yeah. West and the World Bank, you, you always renegotiate when you get a, a debt default, mm. um, like you get your mortgage redone, right, mm. from your bank if you have, if you have money issues. China hasn't, hasn't done that in the past. So that's what the U.S. And, 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 and the alliance here are counting on, that we do things the right way. We follow the rules. You can trust us and count us. You may not get as much money. But right. it's not going to be the type of string that's passed. All right. This past week, a senior banker at HSBC got into hot water. He is now suspended. Stuart Kirk gained notoriety last week when he publicly complained uh, that some, quote-unquote, nut job has warned him of existential threats such as climate change. He, he wondered in a speech whether anyone would care if Miami were to find itself six meters underwater in 100 years. Unbelievable. Uh, HSBC, of, of course, has come out and clarified that this is not their policy, uh, that this is not the way they think now. And uh, like I say, this guy, Stuart Kirk, is suspended. Uh, hard to believe that these comments are still being made in the real world, Steve. Well, you know what? And I'm not going to defend the comments, but I watched, uh, you know, that speech. I, I put it up on my on my on my LinkedIn and commented on it. And his speech was really that, look, we are resilient and we as as companies are going to address the climate risk. We're going to invest in new technologies. Those companies are going to adapt. And because humans adapt because the climate, uh, because we see this risk coming, you see businesses getting rid, you know, going to plant-based instead of meat-based. Mm. You see renewables coming in. You see electric vehicles coming in. And so that the world is going to be around 100 years from now. And the, the message was not directed so much to investors. It was directed to, as I heard it, central bankers, which is like, focus on inflation, focus on those things. Don't make me do all of this paperwork and come through all these scenarios. And the other problem he had was he sounds exactly like Neil. So it's just so condescending (laughs) with that accent, that British accent just coming in. It just makes Uh, it worse. uh, I can't can't wait till somebody gets a hold of that comment and says that you're racist against Brits. That's going to be good, Steve. And has this guy had a biography written about him by an R.I. student? No, he hasn't. Do you know what, Steve? You have completely ruined my segue because I was about to say you're a good fella, Steve. You're a good fella. I'm taking it all back. Uh, But no, you are a good fella. And that leads us into... Uh, quite a shocking story, uh, I yeah, thought. Yeah, a sad story. A really Ray, sad story. Ray Liotta, yeah. a fantastic American actor. I'm wearing a T-shirt, which I'll show in a moment, as which... tribute. <laughs> this T-shirt that I'm wearing on Facebook Live, this is what the kids call a mashup between two of my favourite movies. It's a painting that was in Goodfellas, but the head is uh, from Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, So right. it's Planet of the Apes and Goodfellas yeah. mashed up. Tell us about Ray Liotta, what an actor in some of the greatest American movies of the 20th century. Yeah, and, and, and you know, for people 
you know, my age and Glenn's age. I mean, and kind of two of the most <laughs> iconic movies of, of our, you know, of our kind of when we were really growing up and really appreciating yeah. movies, mm-hmm. which was, was Goodfellas, but then also Field of Dreams, which is some people have on the top of their list of all time sports movies hmm. where, where, where he played Shoeless Joe Jackson uh, in the movie. And what was great about Ray Liotta as an actor is just a lot of what he did was ad-libbing, you know, and Neil, you put up on your Facebook page that scene with, with Joe Pesci in, in Goodfellas, you know, like, uh, you know, funny I how. amuse you. Uh, funny how. I amuse tell me, tell you. me how. I amuse funny how. you. I'm a yeah. clown. I amuse you. <laughs> tell me how. Funny how. What the, am I funny? Yeah. One of the greatest scenes of all time. Mm. And ad-libbed. You know, ad-libbed. And, and so he was such a great, he was a serious actor, but he had a great comic touch and great timing. And, yeah. you know, so he, he's not obviously as big a star as, you know, Brad Pitt or, or, or Tom Cruise uh, or the like, but just in such, you know, great movies and, and great roles. Well, I, I watched the first half of Goodfellas last night as a tribute. I will oh, yeah. watch it again, nice. the rest of it tonight. Yeah. It has a personal impact to me because I was 16 when Goodfellas came out. And this is absolutely true, guys. It was the first movie that I ever watched twice. I was hmm. so blown away by it. I watched it on a VHS tape that I rewound the tape and mm. watched it again. Mm. And I couldn't, I didn't have the nous yet to work out what, what directors meant, why I was watching it. But that movie, Goodfellas, it absolutely blew me away. Everybody knows the famous crane shot, the one shot take where he goes in the back of the copa right. and he goes through the kitchens and brilliant, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I was reading that. And that was, again, he ad-libbed, you know, oh, you know, giving the guys tips. I mean, none of that was in the script. It was just like walk through the kitchen and go on to the, you know, and get your table set on the stage. But he did everything. It was just all, all him. And he just knew the part and he knew it so well and he had studied for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so is that role. And then Glenn shocked me when he told me that he actually worked on Field of Dreams, which yeah. again what? is a, another great Why do you always have to slip was, in and I was, steal uh, our thunder? I was an intern at Rogers and Cowan in, in uh, Los Angeles uh, during my university days, and they were doing all the product placement for Field of Dreams, right? Which wow. was a growing, it wasn't, it had been done before, of course, but it was really taking hold as an industry to get firms to pay money to have their products placed in uh, in this and so like Wrigley's gum, all those those uh, things that you see in the in the baseball fields, the ads on the back wall of the baseball um, uh, stadiums back in those. Uh, we, uh, I, I mean, I wasn't the guy in charge of it, but I was I was helping to work on contacting companies to ask them if they would invest X amount of money in um, having their logo prominent. Wow. Um, since they were heirloom companies that have been around in the early 1900s uh, during those baseball days. Well, not surprisingly, we're getting comments about that. Don Pierce just said, wow, they're also asking where Goodfellas was shot. I've seen the house where Joe Pecci goes to get shot. It's in Brooklyn. I mm. went on the Brooklyn movie oh, nice. tour. So nice. most, of the, most of the scenes of uh, Goodfellas were shot in Brooklyn. The reason I build this up is because you two are about to shout at me, I've never seen Field of Dreams. Oh, oh. good. Yeah. Is Did on- you ever read it's on my Did list. Did you ever read the book? Read the book first. The book, uh, the book's a little bit different. The book is where you know he's he's a, 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 the author that he you know is J.D. Salinger in the book, and they fictionalize it in the movie. But it is just 
it's such a a classic oh. American movie. Yeah, and James uh, and, James Earl Jones is fantastic in it. Kevin Costner is actually surprisingly pretty good. I'm not a huge fan of his acting. Oh, he's, he's good in JFK. He's, he's, good. he's good in JFK. Yeah, I like. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah. it's the famous line, "Build it and they will come," yep, which is the complete it. opposite of this studio this morning. You know, <laughs> build it and it doesn't work. <laughs> but, uh, Don, uh, Don reminding us that that Goodfellas house is in Queens uh, near the JFK airport. Thanks, Don. That's right. Um, <laughs> Okay, and, and, and that was the other yep. iconic line is in, in there is where where Ray Liotta, Shoeless Joe Jackson, comes through the cornfield and goes to Kevin Kevin Costner, and he says, "Are we in heaven?" And Kevin Costner says, "No, it's Iowa." And that's <laughs> that's that honor just like classic. And before we go, just last thing, and I, I you know, Neil, I'm, I'm I hate to walk all over you on this, but on Monday I have been invited to give the be the guest of honor and give the guest lecture for the eleventh session of the Hua Chong Conflict Resolution and Inquiry. And, you know, uh, Ambassador Ong Kang Yong has done this speech before, so I am going to be grilled, I'm sure, by these high school students who are way tougher interviewers than, than the two <laughs> good, of you are. Good man, Steve. We'll look forward to your biography coming out from Hua Chong. <laughs> yeah. All right, got to run. Uh, thanks, Steve. We'll talk to you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.